Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Proverbs 3.13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For it, for its profit is better than uh, that of... Uh, than the profit of silver, and its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. See, we are to walk in the ways of our Father, and the only way you can walk in God's ways is to spend time with Him and to learn His ways. Now, some things, as a Christian, you learn as you go. We're all learning as we go. And when you're first a Christian, everything is a new discovery. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know the Bible said that about that. Oh, wow, I'm not doing that. And then you try to adjust your ways to what God's Word says. Of course, you understand that the more you drink in God's Word, the more accountable you become. Praise God. Anybody want to go home right now? You guys are okay? But the beauty of the word of God is that you learn what pleases the Lord. Indeed, you learn wisdom, and wisdom is to be treasured above anything else. Let me ask you, is that the goal of our modern system? The most important thing we're trying to impart to our kids is wisdom? Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure that that's the case. And look, I'm preaching to myself when, when we say and talk about these things. In Psalm 81, verse 13, God says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who, would hate, those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, and their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. So you got the Psalms right before the Proverbs. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way. Psalm 119, verse 33. What do you do to get wisdom? How do you approach wisdom? Well, here's what it says. It says, Psalm 119, 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding, Psalm 119.34, that I might may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to thy testimonies and, and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in thy ways. Establish thy word to thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. You know, the cry of a, of a believer every single day ought to be, Lord, teach me your ways. Just when we think that we've arrived at knowing what those are is usually when we hit our head on something. You know, I think I got this pretty down. I'm, I'm doing good. Pling! That's usually when you're in trouble. When Moses was leading the people, if you turn back to 1 Samuel, father-in-law Jethro had some advice for him. (laughs) Teresa, you like that? Jethro. And he said, look, you're going to wear yourself out. 
if you keep trying to do all this stuff and lead all these people? And Moses said, well, the people come to me and I judge between the people. And father-in-law had advice. He said, look, you need to split up the work. Furthermore, Exodus 18, 21, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of the thousands of hundreds and fifties and of tens. If you want to be a good leader, fear God, be a man or a woman of truth, and hate dishonest gain. Hate it. Learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. I have a good friend who has seen some ugly stuff. He has been in law enforcement for some years and he worked some very difficult sides of law enforcement. And he said, Michael, I hate pornography. I hate it. And he said that because he has had to endure and look at things related to crimes in that arena that he says there are images and things that he has seen that he can never get out of his head. And he said, I hate it. I hate what it does to people. I hate what it has caused. I hate it. Now when you're starting to get your arms around that kind of mindset, that you really want to depart from evil because you know what it does to you, you know what it does to those around you, you know what it does to your walk with Jesus Christ, you know the potential destruction that sin can cause in your life. If you take that kind of attitude, sin will have less of an opportunity of getting into your house. You have to be really ruthless with sin and sometimes we're just not. And so... I don't know what happened with Samuel's boys, but they did not walk in his ways. And, you know, as a a parent, um, we all desire that children would walk in the ways of God and that they they would follow the Lord. But one encouragement I will give to you is since Samuel was a godly leader, Samuel is evidence that godly leaders don't always produce godly children. Um. I can't give you all the angles about that. I know what all of our desire would be as parents, that our children would always walk in the way of God, that grandchildren would always walk in the ways of the Lord. And some of us have a tendency, and this may be speaking to somebody's heart tonight, to beat ourselves up if that's not the case. So we have somebody that's wayward, and and we are hitting ourselves and slapping ourselves, and saying, what did I do wrong? What did I do Look, it may have nothing to do with you. It may, but it may not. You can only do what you can do. You can't go back and change something that happened 10 years ago. You can still pray. You can be a positive example today. Whatever happened with Samuel's children, it certainly was not because he was not a godly man, because he was. He was a godly man. And somehow his sons just went astray. Now with this leadership crisis, with Samuel getting old and the sons being corrupt, the elders, this is 1 Samuel 8.4, have a solution. It says, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And then they said to him, behold, you are old. Thanks a lot, guys. (laughs) 
dude, you're old. Now, I do not appreciate being called old man. I have voiced that to my own children. <laughs> hey, old man, don't you call me old man. In fact, I will have to confess that if I go to the golf counter and some of those around me are getting senior discounts and the person behind the counter says to me, are you? And I, I like, don't, don't even finish that sentence. Okay. I'm not there yet. Okay. I, I know I'm pushing the envelope. But here, the people come. There's no political correctness. They just say, you're old. Here's your company watch. Good luck. <laughs> you know? Hey, you've grown old, man. And your sons, here's a double whammy. They don't walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us. And here's one of the key phrases, like all the nations. Uh, we want to be like everybody else. Appoint a king for us. You're old. Your kids are, are not the solution. Appoint a king so we can be like all the other nations. This book started with an old man ruling, Eli. And now we have come to another transition point. The request of a king was not really out of line. In fact, the Old Testament predicted that Israel would have a king. Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Numbers 24.17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. And if you go to Deuteronomy 17, here's what Moses says. Deuteronomy 17. He's going to give some guidelines about the king. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and live in it, and you say, Deuteronomy 17, 14, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 17. One from among your countrymen you shall set as a king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, they, not, not to become slaves again. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. Neither, 17, shall he multiply wives for himself. Do you think any of the kings read this stuff? Lest, he, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly increase silver or gold for himself. Now it shall come about, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll. And he's to write it for himself, apparently, to help him memorize it, in the presence of the Levitical priest. So he's got to be careful that he obviously is accurate. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, 
that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left or the left in order that he and his sons, notice this, this is hereditary, may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. What's God's most important emphasis for the king of the country? Write the book of the law. Keep, write it for yourself so you can memorize it. Keep it with you day and night. Read it day and night so you'll stay humble and dependent on God. What did I tell you was the key to an effective leader, whether it's spiritual or political? The key is to be led by God. If you are led by God and God's word, you meditate on his word day and night, you will be effective, you will bear fruit, you will lead well. There is no other secret ingredient to effective leadership in the political arena, in my opinion, and in the church than one knows God, knows his ways, and does them. I am frankly tired of people making professions of faith and saying that they believe something and then not living according to the written word of God. To me, that's just a bunch of hot air. That's nonsense. If you say that you believe this and then you, you enact things that are contrary to it, then don't tell me you believe it because you don't believe it because you're not living your life according to it. And we're not talking about perfection, but you guys know on the major issues of life, the word of God is clear. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. So they say, we want a king like all the other nations. After they call Samuel old and his sons corrupt, it's no wonder he responds this way. <laughs> it says, but the thing... 1 Samuel 8, 6 was displeasing. The Hebrew is more like it was evil in the sight of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel, oh, he did something that so many of us need to do when somebody says something hard to us. Samuel prayed to the Lord. The thing displeased him. He was upset. He didn't like what he heard. It was displeasing in his sight. It was even evil in his sight. He said, give us a king to judge us. Part of it had to be personal. I think Samuel probably was thinking something like this. But I'm the judge. What do you mean you want a king to judge you? I'm the judge and my sons are in this position. Of course he probably knew what his sons were up to. But they are saying, look, we want to supplant you. You're old. Your sons aren't going to do it. So give us a king to judge us. And Samuel was displeased. But when displeased and when you are tempted to respond and give insult for insult and evil for evil, pray. I have failed enough times to tell you that is sound advice. Because when someone says something hard to you and you respond without praying, you can be assured of one thing. It probably will come from your flesh. And you know how beneficial that usually is, right? I mean, we can go back multiple times and probably revisit uh, discussions that became arguments that became explosions and say, man, if I would have just cooled my jets, and just said, okay, Lord, breathe. 
Cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. And so, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind and potentially your mouth. Amen? Samuel, got to like it. I mean, he prayed. He was upset, but he prayed. I wonder how many uh, regrets we could not have to say, I wish I could strike that from the record, but we could say, I'm glad I didn't say that (laughs) if we prayed. Because when we pray, we're asking for heaven to help us. And we need all the help we can get. And the Lord said to Samuel, this had to shock him. I'm sure he was looking for some affirmation. You know when you pray sometimes and you're thinking, God, you're going to agree with me, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to complain about these people, what they have said, and what they are proposing. And all I'm looking for is heavenly affirmation that my feelings are correct. Can you help me out? And then God does something shocking. He says, no. <laughs> Do the opposite. You're like, what? And then you hear something like this. Well, why'd you come to me in the first place then? <laughs> Who's God in this equation again? Oh, that's right. You. You're God. I prayed to you. Not just to get my will done on earth. Your will not my will. Isn't there a prayer in the Bible like that? Not my will, your will. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not... You see, this is how you know that Samuel was taking it personally. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. See, maybe your reason for being angry, let me just back up for a second. Isn't it hard when something happens, somebody criticizes Christianity, somebody says something negative about God, it's very hard not to take that personally. But it's even harder not to take it personally if it's a a critique of you. Amen? You and your Christianity and you... I've had a, a few occasions when uh, some arrows flew my way. A person knew I was a Christian, something happened, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the attack came. And it included, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a so-called Christian, right? Pastor! Way to go, Pastor! Is that how a Christian, you know, non-Christians will do this to you. Is that how a Christian should behave? Pastor. Oh. But here, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. Maybe your concern should be more about what heaven thinks than what you feel. See, what they asked for is a king, and you may have been offended 
Samuel, because you are getting older and your sons are not walking in your ways, but what really is happening here, you guys need to hear this, because this is, this is our culture right now. What's really happening here is a set of values have not been rejected. God has been rejected. And all that goes with them. That's what we've said. When we reject God's ways, we reject God. We say, no, we don't need that. And God says, look, they haven't rejected you. The, the problem they have is with me. I am the only sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, 1 Timothy 6.15. Revelation 19.16 describes Jesus and on his robe and on his thigh, he, uh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen to their voice. Sometimes the worst times in life are when you get what you ask for. Sometimes God will give you what you ask for, even though it's not the best thing for you. Story, prodigal son. Give me my inheritance. Give it to me now. That's like saying, you're dead to me, family. I want my money. I want it now. I'm going off. Does dad fight him in the story Jesus tells? Nope. He gives him his inheritance and he lets him go until he finally comes to his senses. Man, that's such a tough thing to try to navigate and understand how to handle that. God says, give them what they want. Listen to everything that they say. Do you know that uh, Saul, who we're going to read about, his name means asked for. In other words, Saul, God gave them exactly what they asked for. Here you go. You want a king? Okay. You want to be like all the other nations? You want to look for a guy that's tall, handsome, and you think's going to be the answer to all your problems? Here's what you asked for. Good luck. And in a democratic republic like we have, we vote people into office. So there you go. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. They haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, verse 8, even to this day, and that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing... Welcome to the club, Samuel. They're doing it to you also. How do you feel? Well, how you feel right now is how I feel every day because all day longs, long I have stretched out my arms to a disobedient and obstinate people. All day long, I call to them. I say, just come. Just trust me. Just listen to me. Get a little taste. This is what I experienced. Can you? I don't know if we can. Can you put yourself in God's place and wonder how many times a day he goes through this? People turn their back on him left and right, give him lip service, then do something else over here. And God, maybe this is a moment where a little, there's a little human sharing in what God goes through. There you go. 
Now then, listen to their voice, verse 9. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of or show them the procedure. The uh, ESV says the ways. The New King James says the behavior of the king who will reign over them. More literally, in ironic language, literally the justice of the king. There's a note of irony. This is You're going to get what you asked for. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. The Lord said, go ahead and do what they asked for. They're going to get a king that fits that uh, description. Saul means what they sought for or they got what they asked for. (laughs) You know, when God says, give them what they're asking for, this is not going to be good for the nation of Israel. Now, sometimes we ask for things and and the Lord allows it to happen. Uh, You know, you could call this God's permissive will. And, And when we get what we ask for, Here's what happens, and this is what the chapter goes on to say. It says, he will take, verse 13, 1 Samuel 8, your daughters. Uh, For perfumers and cooks and bakers, he will take the best of your fields. He will take a tenth of your seed. He will take your male servants and female servants, the best of your young men. He will take a tenth of your flocks. You will become his servants. You see, you know, sometimes we think, oh, the, the solution is right here. You know, yeah, look at what the other nations do. Let's do that. And we we come up with this plan and it ends up costing us dearly. You see, you can't replace God. You can't replace God's leadership. And with with whatever solution you'd come up with, it's it's not going to be good. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. You know, the the Israelites, when they were uh, getting ready to cross the Red Sea, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out of this wilderness, out to this wilderness to die, Moses. And Moses says, "Stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord." You see those Egyptians who are coming. You're not going to see them ever again after today. Be silent. Watch the hand of the Lord. And then it goes on to say in Exodus 14, "Move forward." You see, the people just wouldn't listen. They they. They heard the warnings, but said, yeah, 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 give us a king anyway. Look, the best thing we can do is trust in Jesus Christ as our true king. King of kings and Lord of lords. Look, we're going to have human rulers and human governments, but ultimately, there's one mediator, one go-between. We need the true king. His name is Jesus Christ, king of kings and Lord of lords. Is he your king? Can you say, Jesus is my king? I hope so. You know, if he hasn't been your king up to this point, you can make him king. You know, um, he is ruling and reigning, folks. He's on his throne. But here's the thing. The question is going to be, will he be your king? One day he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And the question will be then, was he your king?